see the righteous people suffer. I mentioned that there are three or four different concepts as to why the righteous people suffer from a biblical point of view. The most prominent view, which should not be um, exaggerated or perhaps better stated, which should not be applied to every single case. People have a tendency to saying that if somebody's suffering, that's going to be something that's wrong. And that's inappropriate. Certainly that is a very prominent biblical view, wherein we know Stoma Amora, Hetamagur, Heta Egel, all of these things all are suffering as a result of sin. It's not the only biblical view we mentioned as well that of course we have the issue, though much rarer, that the Israel have to suffer or to purify themselves. The Israel have to be 400 years in Egypt to, to purify. There's no sin that was involved that they have to go down to Egypt for, and certainly no stated sin whatsoever. Simply Hashem tells Abraham, your children have to go down to Egypt, and they have to be, go through this crucible of a fiery furnace in order to be my chosen people. No mention of sins there at all. And um, if anything, all Hashem says that he lost Abona because the sin of the Amorites is not yet full. I cannot throw them out of the land. They are good people, these Amorites. And they're going to stay until they reach that point where they have to be thrown out there with people coming to them. They've got to be on hold in Egypt. Whatever that happens, and that's a form of the deal. Okay, whatever that may be. So therefore, there is suffering without at all any sin that precedes the suffering. No sin, just suffering. That happens. And we could really try to explain that simply that builds character, that builds strength, that teaches you empathy, teaches you ethics, it teaches you how to be a good person. All of that can be viewed as part of the biblical view of suffering. As well, we discussed the issue of free will. Free will plays a very strong role here as well. And that was George's point, right? <laughs> he had that story over here. Free will plays a very strong role, which, which solved a lot of the questions as to why the right to suffer. And of course, we also spoke about a, almost a contrary view, which is the protest view. The protest view based on, you know, Yom Habakkuk in New York, all who said, I did not sin, why am I suffering? which is interesting because it's really the flip side of the other. The other side said, you're suffering, therefore you must have sinned or something else happened wrong. Something else happened, you deserve this. You are, and you want to come up with all saying, no. Doesn't make sense to us, it's wrong, we should not be suffering. Nothing is right in this world, and we protest what you, God, are doing in this world. In a time interview, you will see a variety of answers. Continuous with the biblical, somewhat contradictory to the biblical, and certainly, even in some cases, very radically departing from the biblical view as to why the righteous suffer. Why is the suffering in this world? We have, of course, spoken about many incidents that have occurred in our community or otherwise, where in people, young people, children, babies, where it doesn't make sense. We all have that question. And we all try to seek out answers to that question. It's not simply an abstract theoretical problem, such as the Holocaust may be viewed by some as an abstract theoretical problem, even that. No, it's not that. It's something that happens to the guy across the street, the guy down the block, working two blocks away, horrible situations happening, and people have questions about these issues. And the biblical view again has its approach to this. The Talmudic view is much more extensive, much more analytical, much more concerned about it, if only because the crucible of where the Talmud and the Gash was formed was in one of suffering. The Jews had suffered enormously during the Rabbi Ben the, the first, 
much more so during the second, and much more so in the third major destruction, namely the Battle of Revolt of 132 to 135. You will note that during that period of time when the Jews had revolted for the third and final time against the Romans, Hadrian was, Hadrian the Emperor was bent upon destroying the Jewish presence and the Jews as a people. And of course you know, in the aftermath of this revolt, he decided to, of course, completely rid Judea of all Jews and called it Palestine, not Judea any longer, of changing, changing the name of Jerusalem to Aelia Capitolina. It's a paganized Roman city. Jews have no legal right to live in this city. And a very famous narrative in Masechah Bittin of Asrah HaRugim Akut, where the ten rabbis of that period were tortured horribly. And interesting is that the most prominent of these rabbis is Rabbi Akiva, who suffered most, and he had the most interesting things to say about suffering. The most radical, and in fact, even, I think one could say, non-biblical. Non-biblical. I can't think offhand of any context, biblically, wherein Rabbi Akiva saying the statement, you should love suffering. It's the best thing for you. Now, there's a response to that community, but Rabbi Akiva's position is very clear. You'll see it inside. Rabbi Akiva says, love suffering. You must love suffering. Pray for suffering. I'm afraid if you did not suffer, if you live a perfectly harmonious, rich, healthy life, I, I cry for you. I feel for any person who's willing to not become vinegar in his own words. Thank <laughs> you. Did you hear that? Thank you. Does it ever really, does it? Not So, Rabbi Akiva certainly has the most say of suffering, and of course he suffered the most. And that certainly is very interesting, his reaction to suffering. And in, um, of course, you also see a very striking statement of Nahum Ishkamzu, who is his teacher. We're in one point we find Nahum Ishkamzu as one who is paraplegic, blind, and all kinds of sorrows, and he's a great Talmudic scholar, and how this happened, I've asked about Christ. He says to him why it happened, which we'll cover when we get to that, and he's in love with the suffering that happened. There's almost a perverse emotional attachment to the suffering, as a form of atonement, as a form of payback, for whatever transgressions I've done, whatever it may be. We'll come to all of that. But I've asked is the prominent person of Talmudic suffering, perhaps the most prominent person, and he has the most radical statements in that you cannot think of any person who glories in his suffering biblically. To the, to the contrary, we know those who complain about it, and Yao, Kamakuk, and others, and um, who complains about it? Who biblically complains, I'm sorry, who biblically says that suffering is wonderful, fantastic, and great, and we should all glory in suffering, and pray for suffering, in Nabi Akiva's words. So that will come. So Rabbi Akiva is very radical in what he's saying. We're going to begin with Rabbi Akiva. Thank you. Please share. I, I um, wasn't able to find English for this one, but I found the other one. So please share. Your couple's class, remember? Do you have any other hand? The second one or the yeah. second one? Just one page. One minute. Oh, so we'll just pull back and come alone. You're a nice guy. Okay. Yeah, sure, sure. They were four from the... Uh, well, I have enough. I feel so terrible. I have enough. Okay, wait. Who doesn't have? I have enough. I have enough. I can't read the deep record. 
That's all right. Anyone else? More? Okay. And what's important over here also, parenthetically, is that I want you to have experience of seeing a Talmudic text. One of the parenthetic raging controversies of Jewish education today is should we teach women Talmud? There are those who swear against it and those who swear for it. Uh, it's the interesting issue. You want to know where a guy is in the um, spectrum of medical adjustment, of, uh, of thought, you ask them should women learn Talmud or not. Certainly the Rabbi Tian crowd says absolutely yes, and everybody else says absolutely no. Basically. <laughs> there are a few others who say yes also, but very, very few. The traditionalists or extreme right wing will say no to that statement, and of course Rabbi Sarovitchik taught women Talmud, and in his school we all taught women Talmud, and the reason is very simple, that the statements contrary to with different women, and now there's women who are so sophisticated, who's aware of that, and um, women who are going to go out in the world should understand the depth of Torah learning. Teaching them a couple of Midrashim or a couple of uh, narrative texts is not going to keep them as Jews. If you want to understand Halakha and one wants to be committed to Halakha, one has to understand the process of Halakha. Where does Halakha come from? You guys have ten questions. I tell you, yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, no, and yes, and a maybe. With all of that, now, if you have any kind of analytical mind, you may say, well, why was it yes, yes, why no, no, and why maybe? And I would go back to the Talmud and show you in, in those kinds of questions. It could be very serious questions. It could be, uh, if, um, let's say, an interesting question, such as, I think we discussed a couple of years ago, let's say a couple cannot conceive and have a child. And the question arises, whether or not to adopt, certainly a luck issue, very, very strongly so, or they want to engage in um, a sperm from anonymous donor. And then you have uh, Svadim who say no and Svadim who say yes. Now what do we do with that fun? You're Svadim, that means you can never have a, a conceived child. You're Ashkenazi, you okay, no problem. Get an anonymous donor and it works. You know, and, and they have in vitro fertilization. So you may ask the question, that point, why is it so? Why Ashkenazim yes and why Svadim no? And how do we deal with that issue? That's a very serious, that's a very serious question. You know, it's more than uh, it's hand culture or not culture, right? That's a much more serious question. We as Jews live and breathe by halakha. Every issue is one of halakha. Virtually every issue. There's no issue to be conceived of that does not have halakhic implications to it. And therefore, it's important to have a sense of Talmud, to know that this is the laboratory of Talmud. And if my game and my angle is to have you more committed as Jews, then I want you to be more aware, more understandable. And the way to do that is not by a yes, yes, no, no system, but rather by understanding the depths of halakha. And one should be aware of it. Now again, it is somewhat controversial, and I'm only following Rabbi Salavich in doing so. And one important rule that one should learn early on is that when you have a Gadol Torah, Rabbi Salavich, Rabbi Feinstein, any of the if they said it's okay, it means it cannot be heresy. And anybody who calls them a heretic for saying this is okay is a fool. Because these people are, they get along, they've gone through this whole nine yards, they know everything, they've been through it for 80 years of their lives. Now, now you're a Dadul. If you're a Dadul and you say X is okay, whatever it may be, women's prayer Another issue that does not affect sins, but affects other, uh, many women, you know, in the water contours of, of Judaism. You can't call it heretical. You can say I disagree with it. And you can't even say that you're learning the Talmudic 
stuff about it well. They know the Talmud. The Russian Avotis and Abashir Pharisees and those people know it. These are the great luminaries of Jewish tradition. So you can't even let it roll. Remember that you're off or you're, you, you missed the point or whatever, you don't have some of the political implications here. That's possible. So that you may not be a great political analyst. I think he is, but you may say something you don't understand. If you let women have a program, that's how it is. I think that I need to watch the shop, thinking about only about training, right? Together. And whatever they love, collectively. They ask them, then women will start asking for equal rights. And then we will start wanting to go to work. And they may explain that, oh, we should have a certain kind of world. They say, oh, you're right, theoretically. Therefore, you're right, you're not allowed. But you can't argue, you know, how we study the communist text and, and what its conclusions are, and that's heretical. That's an absurdity. You know, you could disagree with Einstein, his example is, but you can't, you know, you can't say he's an absolute blithering idiot. He knows physics, period. He says something, you respect it. Period. And, and that's how any person who achieves its great heights in learning. So again, I was the legend is one who's certainly sanctioned the study of time for women. Without knowing the answer, I'd say no. Without a question. There's no other book that said yes. But Moshe Feinstein said no, right? But Moshe Feinstein said no. If I remember correctly, they dated the question. Had he dated the question? The man from our school went to him. He was first found in our school. This is really a man as Found in which school? Okay, sorry. Camille, and um, he asked him Moshe Feinstein. And Moshe Feinstein is, is, is incredibly precise and measures his words carefully. And that's an intelligent quality for a man of worldwide impact to have. But you don't want to destroy what you're building. So well, what Ramana says he said, and he quoted me in Yiddish, which I don't understand, but he quoted me in English, in Yiddish, and he said, that uh, so you didn't come last week to bed. You can scare people away that way. There is one. You know, it comes to his life, and that's, you know, you know. Um, the point is, Rabbi Moshe said, let me ask you a question, Rabbi. Did I study Ramban? He says, yeah, of course, Rabbi. I'm going Ramban, of course. Does Ramban call Gemara? He says, yeah, of course I do. Does he study Rashi? He says, yeah. So he study Gemara, what's your problem? So now that's kind of, an evasive yes. Can't call it an absolute yes, because normally we're talking about women should start studying in Ramban. Right? Everybody agrees that. But Ramban quotes come up all the time, as does Rashi, as the world of Rashi, this is where it comes from. So if I study all this, I'm sure Rashi is saying in that to the concept, yeah, it's okay. I don't want to come out and say that Professor Rashi says, yes, do it. Because, you know, he has, um, he feels that will harm, I guess, the this state. If you even believe in it, it means that it's harming rather. Is that the only quote of Rav, the only knowledge of Rav Moshe Feinstein? Because that's only your knowledge with Rabbi Lander, or is that right. public? No, that's not public. No, it's not public. He may not have wanted to ask it on that chair lot. I don't recall him talking about it in Grobo Moshe. You know, he may have, but I don't know if you're aware of it. One could certainly ask about Tender, you know, his father and son in law, but of course that may be a tendentious answer anywhere. I don't know if Rabbi Tender will have his opinion or his father's opinion. And say that it's his problem with relativity. That he's known for that, has been known for that certain context. So we don't really know, but um, he would, um, he, you know, certainly also mentioned, again, once you have his opinion, he told me about, again, one of the greatest people in the last 500 years. So 
I think that he's right. I said, he said, you can't call it heretical, you can't call it out of bounds, you can't call it crazy or absurd. But the Supreme Court, if you're a very poor citizen, he said, look, I think you're wrong on this issue. But he knows the Tanya text, he knows the Mishnah Sotah, which says that one should not do it, and he knows that the Ramadan passed him like one opinion in the Mishnah Sotah, and he feels this is a time when women have to engage. So that apologetic statement and somewhat defensive statement is for the case. Right? Okay. Amara, that day in school. 
the Sha'at at the time, Sha'alai Moshe, when Moshe went up to the heavens to receive the Torah, right? Sha'a Sha'alai Moshe Gamaron went up to the heavens. What did he find? Mitzahor, he found that the Dosh Baruch he found God, God Hashem, Shiroshev, sitting, the Koshev Ketarim, and Ryan Puni Ketem. What's a Ketem? A crown. And putting a crown, little to your, on the letters. Right? Now what's the obvious question Moshe should ask? One, two, three. Right. Exactly. Amanatana, Moshe Rabbeinu Olam, Master of the World, which Rashi points out means what's missing in your Torah that you need to write crowns? Why are you doing this? Why are you putting crowns on these letters? Right? Well, what's the point of this? Give it Torah as it is. I'm, I'm writing you should be ready to give me the Torah. What are you waiting for? What do those crowns add? Amar Lord, 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 the Almighty said to Moshe, Adam Echad, one person, yes, there will be one person, Sha'atid, in the future, there will be one person who's going to come around in the future, the short come of the at the end of a number of generations, Moshe is 1200, 1200, 1200, before the common era, right? And the is after the common era, so it's about 1400 or years later, right? Approximately. This person is going to come at the end of some generations. His name is Akiva ben Yosef, Shemur. Shahati, he in the future, Lidrosh, to interpret, to explain, to stand on the commentaries of Torah, our core courts and courts, on every single little dot and tittle of the Torah writing. He's going to explain Males, he needs to be males and males of Harafah. Now what's the quotes of a youth? Of a quotes. Quotes actually is, youth is something like this. No? I don't know how to write blocks so well, but... This is a youth. No, that's not a youth. I knew you, but I like to do it for you. It's like what? What are you? I can't like that either, it's coming out. Let's assume this is a yud, right? A yud in black letters, right? That's right. What's a kotshev yud? It's very interesting. Kotshev yud is an extra little schmidgen of ink right over here. Why is it interesting? Because it's not kotshev of Sefer Torah. It's not kotshev. Asparadim want it. Asparadim don't really care about it. But it's called the Hidu. It's really, really nice. When we bought our Sagrat Sagretoraz Rashu, we asked, we wanted Kotshev Yud. It really makes it, that's Kotshev, but it makes it something a little bit higher level, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, what is it? It's a little, it's a Kotshev Yud. It's called a Kotshev Yud. It's a little tiny, little, like a little, again, it's a little, it's a little, it's every Yud of the Sagretoraz. There must be 30, 40, 60, 100,000 of that of you in the Torah and put a little extra back of it, like a little tiny little. That's what, that's what I'm doing. Do you do it actually? Uh, probably not. Actually, I do it, you know, as the writing. Yeah, that's Sorry? That's the writing. They could write to me. That has to be done to the Right. So they might, but I, they probably write it that way. I'm sorry? Yeah. So, but I'm saying, I, I assume if it's what name writes, to say it. I mean, you know, so you write it to say it. Yeah, and that's what So that's a court saying you. Tiny little bit impossible to see. 
If you really want to go searching out is really, really dark, really nice, really glorified, really fantastic, you can approach the wood. Once you see that, you know, the Sophia is very careful, very on target, and really special. Not everybody um, does this. Another example we do would be, for example, some Sophia will go to the fair every single morning before they start riding. Some Sophia will go to the fair every time they go to the Shem Hashem. Which is really a good no, I don't know if anybody does that. So, I don't know. Maybe that's true. Where you there, there are 330,000 letters in the Sefer Torah. And some are. No, 332,000, 222,000 something like that. So, I don't know if you first started selling them, but it didn't work out. So, so that's a quote you do. So, what's, what's Hashem's plan? Hashem's plan over here is that there's going to be this man who's going to take every little tiny dot of Torah learning and he's going to explain and interpret mounds and mounds and mounds and mounds of Harachot on this. So, Moshe says, Amadim Tanah, Moshe says, Yibro Shalom. Master of the world, this thing is incredible. His creative powers are overwhelming and astounding. Now, that he was able to take every single little question you, every single crown on these letters, and interpret Muhammad, his creative powers must be overwhelming. So, Moshe Zabushanam had Emily, show me this man, I want to see this man. Amar Moses to him, Turn around. Moshe Zakhar turn around. Fantastic Gemara over here. Moshe went back and sat in the back row of Shemona Shurot. They were in the, in the school that day. This is um, 1.20 before the, after the common era. And Moshe is sitting, you know, think about what Hazar really means. The rabbis who wrote this Gemara. What are they really saying? What does this whole Gemara mean? A, is it literally true? Perhaps. B, if it's not literally true, then what was the intention of the rabbis? Honestly, trying to say that all the Halakhot that were learned out hermeneutically, exegetically, by books of interpretation, is all really part and parcel of the Torah. This command is so important because it's telling you that textual interpretation is part of the original script, so to speak. So if a rabbi comes along and says, I have interpretation, so I'm yet, which everyone does. For example, etrog is what? Take a beautiful fruit. What is a beautiful fruit? Etrog. Is that going to pass through? No. So, is it, is that part of the Torah? I'm going to say, 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 take three etrogs, a beautiful fruit. Now, does that mean anything you think is beautiful? Or is there one specific beautiful fruit that everybody takes? We all have answered that question. Let's answer that question. Etrog. That's not the etrog of the Torah itself. That's a rabbinic innovation. The rabbi said it meant to work. So, what is this going to tell me? That the interpretation the rabbi is giving is part and parcel of the original text. Right? That's what this is telling me. That's the thrust of this Gemara. But good, we're going to get to the output here. Well, she's in the back row, Abel's back, Shemunashi Lord, the one hand of the other, my hand of me. Well, she had no clue as to what the rabbis were saying. They took Moshe's Torah and they interpreted, they created, they spoke about it, they gave all kinds of interesting halakhot. She didn't understand it. He didn't, 200 years later, he didn't know this is my Torah, and he didn't know what he's talking about. My name, Lorah Yayodea, my name, Omri. Shashkoho. He became faint of, of strength, weak, depressed almost. Why? 
smart for us and go to Google. I don't understand what you're talking about. What are you doing over here? But, Kevin Shit, you have to Now remember, if you take Torah from Shit and you apply it to 20th century issues, for example, let's say you walk into a, uh, an academy and they're talking about sperm, sperm donations. Well, Moshe going to know what those sperm donations actually were. Well, that wasn't an issue in his time, so he doesn't know about that. Talk about, let's say, a person taking a jet plane and leaving on Thursday and flying uh, over to Australia for two, three days and he lands on Monday. He's allowed to do that. Moshe would not know about something like that, presumably. So he didn't know a thousand years later what the issues were all about. So he was upset. Fine. But it came to a point, came up to the with Avat, Ah, it came to one issue, and the students asked the teacher, Amrugula, Hamidah, they asked Rab. Rabbi, Menachemcha, where do you have it from? Menachemcha, where do you have it from? Allah said to him, Hanachana Moshe Messinai. This particular statement is from Moshe at Sinai. In other words, we are building upon Moshe's Torah, and the students should be comforted that this is all part and parcel of Torah Moshe. It's, it was a, must have been a fantastic work. Where do you get it from? Now this is from Al-Khan Moshe Mishinah. It's a law that was given down orally from every generation to generation. And this is something that Moshe didn't understand. Well, we don't know if that's that same issue or another issue. Oh, okay. Whatever the issue was, we ended up concluding this is Al-Khan Moshe Mishinah. It's Yashiva Dato. Moshe said, good. It's my Torah. Uh, it's still, we're still following my Torah. So he became... Yeshivah became settled of mind. Right? I'm translating literally. Hazar came back to Hat Sinai, Ubarak Niyatrasar came from the Baraku, Amar Fanat. What do you think the next point will be? The next question will be? That we can go in. Moshe. What did Moshe would say? If the Ubarak, what did Moshe say? What is what? What is the end? Okay, that's one possibility. Any, any other ideas? He doesn't say that actually. It's interesting. You know, you're right, good point. Well, I wonder what this is all about. Why don't you give somebody something more in depth? Why do you need. Why can't you give them a little Okay, good point. And really, your point is so precise that that probably is the underlying meaning of this entire Gemara. Namely, this is a defense of what? We're looking at a broader question. So, but I'm going to sidetrack from your point for a second. So, to give you The underlying interpretation of the Torah is what? Right. This is a defense of, of a rabbi's interpreting a, a halakha from the Torah. On Shabbat, there are 31 categories, right? No, not right. The Torah is specifically, sorry? Right, absolutely. Right. Well, maybe it says, what kind of operation will be on Shabbat? Do not light a fire. Right? And you can't read, you can't carry. This is what we're talking about from. So this is what I'm really saying, that all of the rabbis interpreted, all of the rabbis in quotes created, is really part and parcel of it. Interesting question. This doesn't give room for broader interpretation? I don't know. Yeah, the same, the same, of every quote of words you can but the same things never never close in the interpretation. Right, because it's saying everything came originally, or some is a new idea that really wasn't there originally. I mean, certain things Moshe didn't know. So, okay, well, Moshe didn't know, and certain things came. Yeah, certain things came up, but they all extract extracted from the Torah itself. 
It will go to rabbis to do what I do to Declaration of Sending, this time class will be ongoing process of Quran. Quran will be used only as five or some Quran really means whatever a rabbi says. Yeah, on the other side of the world, they'll look at this and say, no, literally... What other side of the world? Really? What are we talking about? Uh, other side of uh, uh, right the... Right the Kavah. Right. No, not the Kavah. Exactly, this whole Gemara. The Kavah said, what is here? When I was teaching in a different school, they would tell you anything you said, any idea. The star, no, it was really there. Oh, okay. 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 I didn't have that example specifically. Right. Yeah. But, but, but no, 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 it was really in the Torah. It's so right. okay. yeah, that Nobody would hold that. But people do hold that. They can't. The Rambam is specifically against that. If you want to look at the Rambam and his um, Hakamas and Torah, he tells you what was there and what was not there. Anything that, for example, had a Mahmoud in it, right? Anything in the Gemara could not have been because they wouldn't have had a Is there any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what their drug is? No. Any halakha as to what create and invent in quotes new halakhwa, in quotes, all in quotes, right? But it's quotes today. I don't mean literally create, but I mean literally new. What I mean over here is that what it's, what the Torah comes out. And the Bible again elaborates to what is there, what they, uh, for example, the Kanat Pillars Bull, which you don't know what it is. Um, Interesting. Yeah. It's a rap, you sort of. Uh, I don't know if that's something. Shabbos are created as for the Atsha'ah. They need to do X and the X. They're all about how to follow Shabbos Sinai. So they go to Akinah Shabbos. Man steals from everybody's whole life. Right? How does he pay them back? Can't pay them back. So the rabbis in Masechet, Mavah Kamar, ninth chapter, you're saying no. It's a no. That in order to give up a fee, the right to return, we're going to excuse the world's debts. Give it to, give it, build a little shoe, build a school, put something for the communal need, right? And then you can do tissue rock. You can't get the 2,000 people to store from if you don't use store from anymore. You can't work that. Put the Kanaka Shavin. To now a thief is all right. To tissue rock, you learn to give money to one thing and you could do tissue rock that way, right? Okay. So Shavin is clear in the house of Hashem Sinai. That's just clearly what? That's clearly what I'm going to solve that issue. Um, a lot of things like that. There's little things. Okay, so now. So Rhonda's point is that this is a defense of the whole ongoing process of Torah learning. Torah learning, every generation, every rabbi continues that chain. This says you're around. Now, the acting boss is something that we should have been understand. Is there a challenge with sanction? Yes. Right? Now, what is There's one main, I have one main problem with this, though. These are the guys who are doing the interpretation and they're defending themselves. Right. That's correct. Yes. So it's not necessarily valid. We are... It's a legitimate point. Let's try to do that point. But nobody questions it. So it's almost saying that this is so clearly part and parcel of the Mitzvah Tamil Torah. The Mitzvah Tamil Torah is not only to simply read a passage and explain it. Rather, it's to create the Hadesh. But again, 
there are other approaches, this is my Maimonidean approach basically, certainly what the Salvationist approach. In his article, and his essay, Isha Arafa, if you do something just really terrible, you don't create, not something new, you never have this, you know what to do. Isha Arafa, the man of the creates ideas, thoughts, concepts, interpretations. All the time. That is not coming to life. And the Rambam would say also, to analyze and create new ideas. But that will move the Rambam or that statement. But you're right. This is those who are creating are defending the right to create. But it's obvious just from history and experience that this is how it has to be. And yes, exactly the point. The Constitution needs interpreters. Otherwise, you have a dead letter. So the Torah needs to be applied in every generation. It's interesting that the kid really is one of the famous Midrashim were in a king gives to a man some wax, some wood, some flour. And he travels one block further and gives another man some wax, some wood, some flour. Same thing. He says, say for this to me. He goes to the second man first and says, one year later, where is that which I gave you to Safeguard, he is it. I have no problem, he gives him back the flower, gives him back the wood, gives him back the flax. Goes to the first man, says then, where? Who's that? Works away. Says then, where is that which I gave you? He says, here it is. Sit, I, I, out of the wood I made a table, out of the flax I made a table, out of the flower I made, I made bread. Sit and eat. And the rabbi is saying that Hashem gave us the, the principles, gave us the the raw materials to build, to create. For David was of the opinion that you have to create the Torah, you have to build a table. What's more glorious? Getting the original wood, the original flower, original flax, and original snake, or having a table functional, and having a table of beauty, and eating, satiating oneself. So the, in that case, the Midrash clearly is saying that the latter is more fun than the former. They want, they want this interpretation. Let's go one step okay? So, coming back to Rambam's point, yes, this is a defense of the entire Talmudic tradition. Good. Now, but that's not Moshe's point. Moshe's not asking, what's this whole story about? Moshe's not, Moshe understood. So it has to be applied. So it has to be constantly renewed in every generation. No, Moshe says there, and it's, it's beautiful, the Moshe of our master of the world. Yes, Adam You have a man as this coming up the ranks the Torah you have a man like this coming along and you're letting me give the Torah what comes out of the game Moshe's humility Moshe's anava Moshe's completely humility who am I to give the Torah I should not be giving the Torah rather but I'm going to give the Torah good so what's Hashem answer what do you think Hashem answers Hashem just and, and very simply, no. Hashem says, That's what I want to do. That's my best thought. That's what I want it. I'm doing it this way. He didn't answer. He didn't answer. You could raise the question, why did Hashem answer him? Is there not a better answer? We won't answer that question. You'll see why in a minute. Next, we go one step further. What's his next question? What do you think his next question is? If this is Rabbi Akiva, I want to know what? Well, that he knows. Okay, that could be, but no. Moshe wants to know his reward. 
if this is a man who's creating and doing it, wow, what's his reward? What's his reward? What can a man like this achieve? Amar Lor, who's almost a setup, Amar Lor, fine. Go back to the original place, you know, take ten steps backwards, and you'll see what the reward is. Hazar, Rahram, Moshe works ten steps backwards. They were scraping his skin with iron combs and flaying him. They were tearing, the Romans were tearing his skin with the iron combs. Fantastic, utterly incredible torture. Right? That's what they did. This is the problem of evil. Here we have a man who achieved the highest, greatest, amazing levels of learning, of greatness, equal perhaps surpassing Moshe Rabbeinu. No? Yes, that's the indication over here. Yet, what's his reward for all this? They are torturing and afflicting him beyond all imaginable pain. Moshe says to him, Moshe challenges this issue. Moshe does not accept and say, fine, you're the boss, you know what's happening. Rather, Moshe is challenging and says, this is what I'm saying, this makes sense to you, God, I don't get it. Right? Hashem answers him, stop, quiet, come, Allah, Mashavah, if I'm not. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah. Did you find her? That's what I want to do. Huh? Allah, Mashavah, if I'm not. This is what I'm doing. No answer. No. This is important for our answer. Sorry? That's it. Yeah. Good. What does that mean? You're right. Not no answer. It's an answer. What's strong answer? What, what is that? You're right. Good. What is that strong answer? What do you think of when you think of this? That he's telling Moshe, you don't, you won't get it anyway. You won't understand you it. You won't understand. Well, I'm, I'm doing this, and that's it. Like there's no one, there's no explaining this. Um. No, it's more than that. I think it's simply saying this is the way life is. Life is not all, you know, jam-jam and. Yeah, I don't know if this happens at that point. I don't know how to take any sort of detail of this, you know, uh, We also don't know how to give us an insight into the fact that we'll never get it. No, good, 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 okay, good. So what you're saying, perhaps over here, is that the rabbis of the social section teach us that we will never get it. We will never right. get right. it. Right. We will never understand. Not that there is no answer. We will never understand the problem right. of evil. Here would be true to take. Look, we've taken the greatest, most righteous man. This is before the setup. We've taken that back to that. Clearly labeled as equal, if not surpassing Moshe, right? He knows everything. And his, this is Hashem is writing crowns on the Torah in order for Rebbe to come over and talk with them. I think that's very special. The height of Talmudic learning, learning Moshe is Rebbe Kiva. Wonderful. 
And was the reward horribly afflicted? Did anybody afflicted more? No. So we take the grace I did, afflicting the most intense punishment, and just ask, that's the way it is. That's what I thought. Now, Joey has one angle. Let's take each individual angle. One angle over here is that it's really saying to us, this is, this is Hashem's will. We'll never understand it. We'll never understand it. And that's the way it is. That's one possibility, right? The other angle is that the people would never get it. That's what you said. That we would never get it. He wouldn't get it. We wouldn't get it. That's it. So, so what so, was never really, this is not real. Even if it's not real, the rabbis may have created the story to teach us, don't try to understand this. The problem of evil. Is there a biblical precedent for this? Or is this unique we know? Is there a biblical precedent when you have the issue of suffering, the baby falling in the pool, or the great righteous man being uh, killed in a car accident, whatever it may be, and the answer is, biblically, there's no answer. Or we don't know the answer. Why should we not have to talk about the answer? Is it Eeyore? Okay, good. Yes. So one could speak about Eeyore as we're in. Eeyore raised the very same question. We had seen that last year. And I shared answers to Eeyore in the of this answer. Where do we create the world? Because you cannot solve this issue. You cannot understand this issue. I will not talk about this issue. So back down. Who is saying stupid things? So he gets really slapped down here, and we're upset. Because we know Yom is a good person. We know Yom is right. Yom is right there. We read the audience. And we know more about it than we said it last year. We know the York story. So York, in a sense, is we're saying the same thing. This is the way Hamlet is the story, and almost what you're saying, that this is the way it has to be. There's something in the world, and that's it. Now, up to this point, it's not a great, happy answer. Nobody's really happy with this. What do we do with it? There has to be something in the world. What do we do with this? Rabbi Salvation, as I think we learned last year, does everything with this, and really has provided the best solution, not answer, but really solution to the problem of the quote from last year, what Rabbi Salvation said, and his I said quote to the fifth, he said, quoting all that we had quoted about the problem of evil, and said, look, there's no answer. We're not going to solve the problem. We cannot know why the Holocaust worked, why it happened. But, now as a human being, and he's the first to formulate the answer in this way, the very first, the only, as far as I know, that you have a choice. You now that you've been stricken by this horrible affliction, and whatever it is, God forbid, more Atlanta, whatever it is it is, you have a choice. The choice is to be captured by the web of faith and wandering in misery, and try to come up with all kinds of philosophical justifications for evil, and try to explain and think and rethink and try to explain again. The analogy would be if a parent got to lose a child, and in whatever way it is, you could moan the fact, hate the fact, be so miserable and hateful to life that she wasn't, or husband wasn't watching the kid, whatever it may be, and, and, and collapse your life into one long, simple process of recriminations and hate, and never live together again, and never have any other children, and be put in prison by the faith. Or you could say, look, this happened, it's terrible, it, it's painful, it's, it's something that's impossible to understand, but we're going to have a mature child, we're going to have more children, we're going to live together, we're going to, be, we're going to create a new destiny. I see both. 
I've seen people that have lived, and, and I use that uh, very difficult example for you, because it's something that we all relate to. We all know, we all are afraid of this happening to our children. And yet that's the beginning to deal with any of these problems of evil. And it's important to confront it. You know, we know people that have lost children in, in, in various ways, whether to illness or to car accidents, but not any of these things. So some people will become immobilized and never be able to deal with it. And say, look, this, I can't admit and never have another child. And always carry the weight and depression of that lost child. Or some people will say, this is what it is. And I'm not going to let it immobilize. I'm going to smile again. I'm going to laugh again. I'm going to relate to people again. I'm going to remove myself from the land of the dead. Where any person could live even as he's living. And say, I want to be part of life. And I'm going to laugh and smile. It goes without saying that I don't know how I react, and I don't want to know how I react in this kind of situation. Nobody does. But you would think that you'd want to be strong enough to pull yourself out of that land of shadowy existence in order to be a person again, to live and laugh and smile and love again and have more children. That's what it's saying. The Holocaust happened. What do we do? You could philosophize about it, think about it, question it, and meanwhile, you could lose everything. And become imprisoned in the world of faith. Or you can say, I'm going to rebuild the land of Israel. I'm not going to solve this problem of evil. Moshe did not know it. Nobody knows the answer. What should we do? We should build the land of Israel. So I said, in this essay is very, very powerful Zionistic. That's what Jesus is doing now. That's your, that's your mission now. Forget about it now. Not forget about it, but use it as a springboard for its action. Whatever the reason is, the reason is. End story. Right? That's what he's saying. Those are, is along the lines of this Gemara. Hashem says, this is my statement. This is the way I want to go. This is my third goal. It's what I think is the best. That's the way it is. I'm going to be now liberal Moshe. Period. Right? This is one answer, or non-answer, or answer that is close. Sorry? It's close. It's close. Hidden. It's hidden. Right. It's a close. It's hidden to this problem of evil. This is what Hashem says. So again, there is sort of biblical precedent for it, in Europe, and even when you're now challenges, and Habakkuk challenges Hashem on the problem of evil, there is no answer that's offered at that point. All that we have over there is simply either an intense no, I'm not going to solve this problem, I'm not going to ask this problem, or a gentle no. But it's always no. Yeah. In his essay, in effect, Rav Salvatic is saying, okay, put your forces towards building, shaping the building. Israel. Right. That would be the distinction between taking the tragedy and saying, to put your energies all towards the women being modest or something. Uh, nothing. One could, I don't know if it's an appropriate response. But why right, not? But, but I hear it, it doesn't sound... Something doesn't sound right with it, but that's what you hear. The tragedy happened, it's going to happen because of that. There's no, a cancer, he is not saying it happened because of it. God forbid, he's not, that's precisely his point. He's not, that's, that's traverse. So there's a, the To say that that happened because of it, I think is, is sick and traverse. That's, so that's that. where perhaps the distinction. That is a very important distinction. But to say that I'm going to channel my, you know, my, my energies of sadness into changing something that I seem to be a problem, whatever it may be, he's saying shape a personal destiny. Now, I don't know if, if 
know, going around carrying placards in front of the casino saying, be modest, is really using the best possible energy to that end. I don't know if you really do something that's great about it. Uh, you know, maybe it is, I don't know. Maybe it's, like maybe it's really solving the great social crisis we have. Maybe it is, or, or some kind of crisis we have. As opposed to that, um, what I'm searching that kind of is talking about creating a destiny. Jews build themselves up, care about life, and, and so that seems to have more of a significance than, you know, worrying about how one person sleep is or not. So that's the issue, but certainly say that it's a cause and effect to be horrendous. And he's certainly not saying that. So I don't mean if evil exists, there's evil, it's not around the track, it's here, now what? You know, and one kill, yes, sir. Interesting point you said. You found that God's salvation was the first person to ever come with an answer like this. To put it all together this fact. Uh, to put it all together. But shouldn't we be able to come get an answer like this from the Bible? Shouldn't we be able to get an answer like this from the No, I mean from the whole experience of the Bible. To, to draw an answer like this about suffering. You know? I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead. I'm missing you to the end of this quote. We don't really see it. I mean, we don't really yeah. see it. Again, in, in, in Tanakh, you will find bits and pieces of different thoughts, which you don't have, find as finely formulated as a research can formulate it. It is the space in its way. The first after prime. Yeah. Can we, if we study it, or if we study the Talmud, can we find this answer? Yeah. I would take something and again, I'm jumping ahead. I'm asking you another hand on before we should have come next week. We don't I read Because 
the, your friend does not have the problem of suffering as, as an evil in the world. If he's, not, if he's a theist, he does. If he's not a theist, he doesn't. Go. If he's a theist, then he has a philosophical question. So we're coming to this with a complete, you know, from the psychologist and the world. I'm just saying, he's 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 saying, perspective. It's sort of like saying we, we can't deal with this, and yet we know of many people who don't come to that conclusion. No, no, those people say we can't deal with this. We're not saying, I don't think you're saying that. I don't think perhaps I'll be saying that. Don't deal with it. No, no. He's saying deal with it, but don't deal with the negatives and deal with the positive. Yeah, but other people, Gina said something before that, that sounded like the other people. The other people say, oh, this is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other people would say, yeah, the Holocaust happened because this was supposed to happen after. They use it as a first time. But I think that's what you hear. Yeah, I hear all kinds of that. So you can't hear this, I mean, from a major front. Major fronts also produce silly things. Yeah, okay. That's the short truth. Yeah, I would never dream, and it's hard fun to say that it, that caused effect. But if your question again is that if you study this piece of Gemara and come to that conclusion, namely that <coughs> that Hashem is saying this is this is what I want, this is suffering, it's it's, it's part of the parcel of, of life, and therefore accept it. The issue of shaping a destiny is not from this Gemara. It's not from this Gemara. But you wouldn't get that from this Gemara. No, you wouldn't get that far. Yeah. No, it's a word, but use the word, which is a key word for any other. 
Any personal lines you want? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that, if you look at our sheet over here, I, I, I bet you that she does not say what you're saying here. Does he? Does he? Does she say what you're saying? I don't he can't be creative. <laughs> we have no problem being creative. We're not arguing with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to know what that she says here. I, don't, I think you're far afield. I think you're isogizing. I am isogizing, but, but, but it's tight because the words become... Not, 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 not every time. Yeah. This is a majority of the context. I don't know what that is. It's a... It's not... It's not... It's not... I don't know what that is. I think it's so good. Right? Yes, okay, well. Yes. But he does, he does. I don't know, I don't know how far it is. When somebody tells you something, you don't answer, that's one thing. But when someone tells you something, and then you say, but why? And you know, shut up. Then you say, no, I think that's the first thing to shut up. The problem is here, the first thing to shut up. Sure. Then he said, then after that he gave two minutes. First he said, shut up. Israel, right? 
and one doesn't want to go, it's an Islam living Israel, not an Israel, all that's part and parcel to give up the marriage. He wants to go to Israel, she doesn't want to go, vice versa, what are you going to solve that marital conflict? Give up those that as well. Certain it's worth of marriage. So now we have, after all that, we have an interesting Mishnah. Mishnah tells over here, whoever does one mitzvah, just do one mitzvah, for our same mitzvah, they, 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 they give you great reward, and he has length of days, do one mitzvah, and you do one mitzvah, you have good, a good life, you have a long life, and you inherit the world to come. That's a great statement. Now, the Mishnah was where the rabbi walks in, and he says these statements. You do one mitzvah, and what do you have here? They do good for you in many different ways. They do good for you uh, health-wise and wealth-wise, live in life, and you're on the back. And what does not do one mitzvah, you do not have a good life, you do not have a long life, and you're on the back. Right? Very heavy uh, trip over here. What does it mean? Gimorawitz came after the Mishnah. Oh, we had those four or five lines, and the, and the Gimorawitz raised the question and says, What do you mean? What do you mean? That doesn't make sense to me. I have another context, and before analyzing the logical status of that statement, we have a, con- we have a contradiction. Let's see, you know, is this statement held by everybody or not? So we have another statement where we see, these mitzvot, so the person does them, he eats of their fruits in this world, and he enjoys the capital. He eats of their interests, so to speak, in this world, and he has remaining within what? The, we call it, this business code. Cap, you have principle. Right. So you have the principle, is what remains your greater words will become. And you have an interest in this world, right? Principle of interest, that's what it's called, right? What about mitzvot? Interesting mitzvot, we say it every day in our prayers, right? We have it every day. Respect the parents. You respect the parents properly, you have the great reward, the safeguard for you, the principle of safeguard for you in the world to come, and you'll have a great life in this world. Respect the parents, right? Be a good person. Do chesed, do kindness. Do the good do all those kinds of kindnesses. Again, the principle is the world to come, and the interest is in this world. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Oh, you want it? Oh. That was very nice of you. Alright. That was very nice of you, thank you. Uh-huh. Sorry? Oh, I thought you went to the next house and did a big chesed. And then you would be able to get the world to come. Just, just a big chance of that. Alright. I'm trying. Imagine that. So the person does chesed, kindness, what does he get over here? Again, principal world to come, fantastic rewards, and the next world you're also going to have a great, wonderful, wealthy life. So you have two so far, chesed and respect the parents. Hanamazat Urfim, guests in your home. Guests in your home, again, fantastic stuff, social stuff, all these so far are social support. Respect the parents, chesed, kindness, people, and having guests in your home, Principle of your reward is safeguard will come into this world of great life this world. Another one. I like to know Ben Al-Havirot. Bringing peace between two friends. You know two friends are fighting, business deal, or uh, over basket, or who scored the last point, whatever it may be. You want to bring peace between those two friends, then again, fantastic it's not. Principle will come into this world. So that's our third. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. 
Well, no, that's the problem. We know exactly. That's what's not going to work. You're right. That's what we'll see. Alhamdulillah. And now in the other versions over here, we have Ben Ben A man and his wife are fighting, having some kind of argument. You have an obligation of trying to reconcile, rectify, bring peace, bring harmony to the world. To the man, his wife, to the man, his friend, whatever it may be. Right? After the Torah getting into the Quran, the study of Torah is fantastic because you could argue that it brings about all of these other mitzvot. Right? If you say Torah, you'll be chesed, bringing guests, you're going to bring peace to the world, respect to parents. Okay, now these five mitzvot are the ones that we have principle will to come and reward in this world. Right? But, what's our question? Our Mishnah said, any mitzvah you do. If you end the quorum, I'll say, when there's one mitzvah, he gets all the strong rights. So we have a contradiction, because we have to do all these five great big mitzvah, get that double-barreled reward. Right? You see the question? That's the contradiction. What's the answer? Amar Abhi Udan, Abhi says, this is how you should learn. Our Mishnah means whoever does a mitzvah, one mitzvah, more than his balance, than his, what's the right word, than his um, scale, which is balance. In other words, you have X number of mitzvah, X number of amirot. You're perfectly balanced. It's, no, I mean, uh, is that a way? It's bound. It's bound. In other words, at foot, X and times. Yeah, it's bound. In other words, at foot, X and times. Yeah. What? Account balance. Account balance. You'll catch that. Computer person, that's it. Account balance, right? Account balance. Whatever you saw in here. If you're a perfectly balanced, let's say a person did 200 sports yesterday, he had a good day, and today, he had a day for a couple of murders, and the last two other ones, right? 200 sets. Perfectly balanced. Whatever God evaluates, the relative merit, not numerically, obviously it depends upon uh, extent and uh, scope and everything else. And this is why I have a little project from door to here, point three. This <laughs> is a big deal. But all right, I can't get it very well, so I took the head. I took the head. I took the head. I took the head. That's the big issue. The guy's scared of burning dogs. That's the big issue. The guy's scared of burning away. He could be ugly and die. That doesn't make sense. That's the big issue that comes up. Pick up it up. So, the Buddha says, that I'm just not spoken that, somebody who's perfectly bound, and the one moment's done, just one moment's done, after that perfectly bound floor, what happens? He gets all the goodness. Right? Everything good happens in the world. Now, truth is, that really doesn't really solve our contradiction. If you do one moment's done, more than his perfectly balanced situation, he gets all this good, he needs more, and he's going there, and he's like somebody who kept every single mitzvah of the Torah, Torah, and he's a fantastic guy. So one moment's not on your equal. And then, then your account balance, right? So that's what our Mishnah is saying. Our Mishnah is saying over here that a person who does one moment's not in a perfectly balanced account gets all of this great stuff over here. Right? Good. Now, you can ask a question over here. One second. Mikulal, that means you could say, Mikulal, Nani. That means that if you do any one more mitzvah, what do we to say? Any one more mitzvah? I'm sorry? Sorry? What if you do, you would say to that, if you do any one more mitzvah, or a quarter mitzvah, get all this great stuff? Makes sense. So what I don't want is contradiction so far. Our Mishnah says, put it down, one more mitzvah, and you get all this great stuff. 
And our next source, our original source, we have to be one of those five. What is it? What's that about? So the answer, the five answers of those are Amara Shemaya teaches us that if you were perfectly balanced, if, if you are perfectly balanced, and one of your perfectly balanced with Lord and Avirot, with one of these five, then what happens? If you are perfectly balanced still, and one of those five is Kibur Abba you know what happens? Those who are perfectly balanced, you get the benefit of the doubt. So these five are big, big numbers. Of those five, right. Of those five, it's four, which are fantastic, it's four. Right, exactly. Good. Exactly. The Mishnah means any one of those five. Right. Yes. Right. Of those five. And then you have this. Even if you're perfectly balanced right now, you're exactly equal. What happens to you that thought about the quality is what? One of those five, you're ahead of the game. But if it's any other one, it doesn't mean. Right. Any other one of those five that counts as doubles? Any other one? Yes. Some people are good. Some people are good. Going to Zakin in this world and 
right? And this one here. So it gets the full reward of what to come. Right? Hogan approaches home by problem. Similarly, person has always honored the Lord and invited him to the Lord. We give him a nice, long, healthy, happy life in this world. We give him the reward of the Lord in this world. The Lord to zap him in the world to come. Yeah, 
The rabbis? Are you questioning the word of Israel? It's it's probably just working out a trying to work out a system of reward and punishment. The question is why? Why it's a good question. Why are they Okay, good. Let's let's try to analyze it. We're a little bit off track, but it's an important question. Why are the rabbis totally speculating? This is really speculative. It's not how how much it's not as rabbis are thinking through an issue. And why in that period of time? So the Shnats, the Baran, why are they what are they gaining by this? We all know it's happening in the head of the pen. What does it really mean? The answer is what you hinted at or implied is that it's helping a person who is suffering, saying there's reason to your suffering. There's two types of suffering. One is physical, one is mental. The physical is, you know, you're getting your skin's getting swayed. But pain and suffering is really more psychological than it is physical. If we were good acupuncturists, we'd simply just block the, the uh, neurological connection between the color of my hand and the brain which tells me I'm suffering, right? And I won't feel the pain at all, right? You get to feel something, you know, just Folks, you want to feel this and you want to feel the pain, hopefully, right? So, Sephiroth, they're trying to help the mental anguish of a person who's suffering for no reason. For no reason. There's an idea that you may suffer in this world, but there's a reason for it. And, again, I read one, one possibility is that you're suffering because of you're getting paid back your, your, your few hours a day, and you're great to come afterwards, so that should ease the psychological burden of suffering. So the person who is, you know, in a very rough shoes is great, it's great to suffer. I'm paying back to them if I get, and from now here on in, it's a fantastic life. That is one good point. That's why the rabbis may be saying this. Now, what I'm going to mention about real life is that, you're right, are the rabbis over here speaking metaphysically or psychologically? Was their concern to try to discover the real underpinnings of the reward punishment system? I don't know. I'm just a question. Or are they trying to alleviate the hurt that person is feeling while suffering? They live in a country of great suffering, but they have to do that all these people. So what are you talking about? They have to analyze why they said it's going to have to do this. This discussion, is this considered machlokit? It seems to be machlokit, yeah. So therefore, whatever is being discussed is not... Correct. They're all trying to understand this horrible question that all human beings suffer from is the meaning of suffering. Or what is it all about? Mm-hmm. Now, again, is it metaphysical? Is it really the, the essence of what's going on up there and below me or anything else? Or is it the last? Where it comes back to prison? We don't know yet. I, I can see going either way. Let me go one or two more lines, okay? So what we're saying over here is that this is a contradiction. You just told me that to do one more mitzvah of these five, we get exactly the one of our fantastic. Now we learn that if the only that if you have the world is work and we're not to get punished over here, right? So we can't stick to ourselves now. We just finished saying you have equally balanced or certainly economically balanced, if you want to respond to work, you're really doing well, right? You've got reward in this world and reward to come. That's what you said. The first opinion was you do one good that's not and you get everything great. So that's opinion A. Right. We just heard opinion B. No, we resolve that. Why do we have a contradiction? We see it A and B. Correct? We put it well. Good. So what do you say over here? Good. What do you say over here? Amar Abayeh. Abayeh says, Abayeh is not a rabbi. He says, you know, our Mishnah 
which seems to imply that thinking be that a person who has a lot of its world and one or two in love at and it's dumped out of this world is like Rabbi Yaakov and that's what it puts but the thing that I've been made young fellows because he said that when you get suffering in this world it's a happy day well I've been paying back all your small of its world all your other world and that when if you get this great world it's terrible because it's getting back all the great world where it's all down the world to come that's Rabbi Yaakov and that's where I have this interesting statement Rabbi Yaakov he says this is what you got to take home. Rabbi Yaakov's opinion, and this opinion being, and the reward of a mitzvah in this world is not. So don't think, as most people do, that if I do a lot of mitzvot, I get a great reward. That's opinion B. Right? That's opinion B. And it's what I, he's interpreting Al Mishnah. And it's Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov is saying, do not think that we do all kinds of great misfortune in this world, you have great reward. And it's not, there's no reward in this world. Where's your reward? Or the world to come. Do not think, do not expect to be good and get paid back. Be good. Why are you being good? In the next world. No, to be good, to be good. Your reward's going to come here anyway. But be good anyway. Just be good. But there's no reward in this world. You can get reward here and there. That's the thing you know. That's the thing you know. Rabbi Yaakov doesn't work. The system does not work. Why does he say that? He saw it. Later, that can happen. Later, what's that? In the cut from the side, there's no... This says that all the mitzvot in the Torah are dependent, the reward from that is dependent only on the world to come. Yeah, I think that's my next line. <laughs> Correct. Am I still going to go ahead? Yes. My next line exactly now is that. Yeah, I said, Rav Yaakov. Wait, we took two lines ahead of that. I imagine we'll find Rav Yaakov. Said Rabbi, and Mishnah. Rabbi Yaakov says, Rav This latter agrees with Rav Yaakov. This is what Rav Yaakov said. He said, there is no reward for precepts in this world. Exactly. No reward in this world. It's only in the other. Right. And then he goes on to say that every mitzvah and every reward is all going to happen when there's a rapture or the world to come. Right. There's a rapture. Right. Which means, in this case, he said that what to come is not in the spiritual world that we will think about, but his understanding of what to come is the resurrection. That's where did you get the idea that you're being good to be good? So I went in that. Why are you being good to get reward in this world? No, you're being good to get reward in this world. No, that's point me. That's point me on out. You're right. Okay. You're right. You're right. I am. You're right. You're right. Okay. I am that. You're right. Thank you for... Yeah, I just want to be a little more ethical. I want to ask for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Last point. Why does Rabbi Yaakov say that? For every word happens in the world to come. She answered her opinion to me. I thought that you would ask. Can you remind me of what I mean? Because there are two words for One is called respected parents. And after that tells you, if you respect your parents, you get rewarded. Remind me of what I mean. You get rewarded. Remind me of what I mean. And so we have to start upsetting away the mother bird. She wrote, I can't. In both those comments, the Torah tells you, great, long, wonderful life. Respect the parents, great, long, wonderful life. And he said, great, long, wonderful life. Right? And he says, I saw something. What did I see? Now, this Yerman, Mu'adib, a father of the son, go, go up to the, on the ladder, L-A-D-E-R, go up the ladder. They are there, and bring for me those little birds. The kid runs up the ladder, and he sends away the mother bird, 
right? And he takes away the little children because he was fond of them, he slept with his parents. And when he comes back, Nafar Umet. He fell down and he died. So the Gemara says, or Rabbi Yaakov says, Hechan, where is his great days of this king? Hechan, Torvat Yamat Shazeh. Hechan, Echut Yamat Shazeh. And where is the more life of this king? Rather, what must this Tassel mean? It's as simple as it says, and if you shut your pants, you get a little life, and a wonderful life, and if you send away the bird, you have a wonderful, 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 happy life. What does it mean? Your great reward will happen, they will allow you to Lord talk to a world that's all fully good, namely, which world is all fully good? The world to come. And a world that is all fully known, which world is all fully known forever eternal? The world to come. Right? To the world. I don't. So that's what we are called opinion. Therefore, the opinion is that there's no one with this book in this world. All we get over here is, is that this proves, I saw this, it proves it. Now, the Gemara is not really happy with Yaakov's interpretation, and the Gemara will challenge his, his understanding of this, and say it's not really right. But that's an understanding. He had experienced this massive amount of evil, a child, going up, father father's advice, get up, send over the word, should get, says, you have long life and a wonderful life, it's all for that. What's the end? What happens instead? Guys, where does this world life? Where's the life? It doesn't happen. So it says, what must this person mean? That your long, wonderful life will be in a long, wonderful world, which is what? The world to come. Not in this world. Sakhar, the Sabah, Amaleka, there's no great world in this world for your Mitzvah. So this view, Rabbi Yaakov's view of the problem of suffering, is very clear-cut and very straightforward. Is that don't expect anything good in this world. There's no reward in this world. But the world of God, that's, that solves this issue. It solves our problem. Just by almost saying, experience teaches you that you're not going to get the reward in this world. How so? Because the average good guy gets afflicted. Afflicted with a business manual, afflicted with a, a punishment, who knows what, whatever you want to call it. All of that is very straightforward and very clear. Yes, the bottom line, except suffering. Yes, except suffering. Just be aware that the reward that you get is not going to happen. Don't think of the reward as well. But really, you say, it's not reward. Forget to be worth You're saying, he's saying, so you, if you suffer, just accept it. But accept it with an asterisk, with a footnote. Because you get paid, it's giving meaning to suffering. What if you don't feel good at yourself? Don't do anything good. No, that this slice of this uh, statement yes, might say if you did sin, something for that, then that's a different angle, different story. These are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. What we're saying here. So what you have today, you have experience of two gemarot, which deal with this problem of evil in two different ways. The first is kind of called blanche. This is Hashem. See, shows Moshe. This is Rabbi Akiva. He's a great, great, great man, fantastic. He suffers horribly so. Why? This is Torah the Sakhara, which has the right question. This is Torah the reward book. Too bad. Stop. Keep quiet. You know, whatever that means. Cut the line of Sakhara. This is my Torah. This is my sister system. End story. Right? Finish. End story. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm happening. This is what I want. Too bad. In another version of that Gemara, the angels question Hashem in this way. They saw Rabbi Akiva's suffering. And Hashem says to the angels, look, you don't like it? I throw out the whole time. Look, I'll start a world again. Implying, according to Rabbi Eliezer Berkowitz, that 
the free will of the Romans, coming back to Jordan's point, right? The free will of the Romans is such that they have a, they have a free will to destroy that reactive act. They will do so. If you don't want the world of free will, angels, you're going to argue, you're going to scream yell about it, fine, we're going to have the world of my own it. I am in the world, free will, you want to hit me, hit me. I am in the discipline, I will suffer for it. Because you have that free will, I have to suffer for it. Because you have that right to put the shoes on, I have to suffer for it. Right? So that's it. That's what I said, that's my world. You don't like my world, by the angels? Good. I'll change my story, goodbye. And he says, I will revert the world back to the beginning. I'll start another concept. My world, God says, has free will, has the Shabbat, has choice, and the innocent must suffer because you have to have free will. Right? That's the way it is. That's the world. That's a different version of the given on the Nakhon. We're in free will, is therefore another solution to this problem of evil. The Nakhon, in our version, simply says, God says, quiet, that's what I have done. This is the world. Accept it, too bad. And in this world over here, he's saying two things. One thing he's saying is that there's no more war in this world. Not that there is. Whatever happens to you, accept it. There's no more war in this world. The devil will never come. Not in this world. That's the second opinion. That's the, it's the actor. And the other person says, not eagerly perhaps, that if you do these prophets for it, you're zapping home. This world and the world to come. Right? That's the third opinion A of this thing. Do any of these prophets for it, and you're home free. You could have an answer, kindness. You can answer the question. But isn't, doesn't common experience belie the first statement? You know, you know, a lot of people respect their parents and have peace and harmony and all that. And they don't have great lives. You know, why would the rabbi say that? Probably the rabbi said that, and the rabbi said that, you want to encourage appropriate values. You know, they're going to use and say, look, somehow it's going to work out. Keep these values. Harmony, tranquility, peace, respect, love. Do it. It's good. They're teaching to encourage proper values. 